everyone. Welcome back to episode two of season two of Illuminate, a podcast series from Hope Fellowship Church, where we share stories to inspire growth and encourage engagement in our community. My name is Hannah Bowen. I'm the worship arts coordinator here at Hope. And my name is Nathan. I am the connection and college pastor here at Hope. Today, we are so excited to launch this um, kind of series of conversations. For us, it was just one conversation. You guys will get it in hopefully more digestible pieces of it instead of its entirety all at once. Um, But this conversation that we had the honor and privilege of having with Chris Kilgore, um, who we'll introduce here in a second. But before we dive into that, just wanted to set things up for you um, and share a little bit about generally what to expect from this episode as well as coming ones with our new series. Nathan, want to intro our new series? Yeah, our new season is called Back to the Basics. It is talking about practices that we as Christians should have to totally transform into the person that God has created us to be. So another word for practices could be habits or spiritual disciplines. So maybe you've heard that word before, and maybe you've heard of terms like prayer, teaching, generosity, Sabbath, scripture, anything like that, that's what we're wanting to really dive into. But the unique thing that we're wanting to do for this series in talking about those things was to talk to local pastors across the U.S. slash world, if we can get any from the world. (laughs) One of the things that I've always thought is we have these big names in our Christian faith that we all look to and respect for the most part. Guys like John Piper, Tim Keller, John Mark Comer. We have these guys that we look up to and we believe that they are wise and they are genuinely wise and they have so many good things to say. But one thing that I think is often over is oftentimes overlooked is the call and the equipping that pastors in the local church have. And to be able to hear wisdom from pastors who maybe are only pastoring a church of 80 people, but yet to see how wise they are uh, and how much they have to say and how much they are stewards of God's Word and and of His people. It's an incredible thing uh, to be able to see and and hear their heart behind all of those things. And so the big idea of this Back to the Basics was to talk about things that we've heard in our walk, if you've been a Christian for a while, things that you've maybe even grown up hearing, and to really dissect them and to get pastors and just experts in general, whether it be professors, pastors, or something like that, and to ask them pertinent questions that will expand our horizons when it comes to these subjects like prayer, generosity, or scripture. So we're really excited to be starting this. We do apologize for not having one last week. We had some hiccups on our end, and uh, that's about about it right there. We just had some hiccups, but uh, we should be on track for releasing every single week Um, from this point on, but we're so excited to be talking to these uh, men and women and just getting to have conversations with them about the basics of our faith. Yeah, so um, like we said in this coming episode, talking with Chris Kilgore, um, and we wanted to do a little, think of this moment here like a glossary index, but we're putting it at the start instead of at the end. Um, So as we're talking through some of these simple yet complex ideas of uh, how and why to study scripture, you might hear us throw around some terms um, that we're used to using a lot, but maybe you guys haven't heard the terms and we want to make sure that you can 
keep up and follow along and there are some pretty cool things to add to your vocabulary if you don't have them already. I'll start out with a couple and then maybe I'll just rapid fire you. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm um, ready. So one of my uh, favorite ones that you're going to hear come up a lot is uh, in its verb form to exegete um, or in its noun form exegesis. Um, and all you, for your brain to plug that in, it's just the process of studying that particular passage and, and unveiling those layers um, that make up a verse or a book. Um, it's, it's delving into all the context therein. Um, that's all it means. It's just a short word to compile that big idea. So don't be afraid of the word exegesis. Um, theology, you might have heard the word before, um, but maybe you've never had a practical definition of it. Um, theology is simply the study of God. So when we talk about good or bad theology, it's um, the study of God that is accurate and well-informed and supported in scripture, or ones that are man-made and not based in scriptural truth. Um, the Pentateuch, that is a word for the first five books of the Bible, um, if you haven't heard that before. Um, just Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Yep. <laughs> um, so just the first five books of the Bible, one word for all those books. And I'll give Nathan the rest of them and make you define. Uh, how would you define canon? Canon is the entirety of a subject. So for the example is every single book in the Bible is canon, meaning that it is closed and shut. Nothing can be added and nothing can be taken away from it. The early church fathers in the first, second century worked on compiling books that pointed to the character and nature of God and were applicable to the Christian faith, made it canon. The canon of Marvel, the canon of Lord of the Rings, the canon of Star Wars. It can be applied to any different story, narrative, or idea, and it is that once it's basically locked and loaded. Yeah. They yeah. thought, yeah. It's yeah. a great definition. Thank you. Sure. Um, how about exhortation? Exhortation coming from the word exhort, meaning to basically to take, I guess, what you would have exegeted and then to explain it, to exhort it. It means to speak out what you have learned from that, whatever you have been studying. Yeah. That one was rough. No, those are great differences. Sure, sure. I would have just said to speak plainly. Um, and then hermeneutic. Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the study of scripture, essentially. So it'd be in, we had a hermeneutics class in college, and all we did was study scripture, meaning the authors of scripture, the audience that pieces of scripture was being written to, every single facet of scripture falls under that study of scripture, hermeneutics. So now that we've kind of defined these terms for you, and hopefully you're going to have the understanding of why we're even explaining those terms. Uh, we want to just jump right into this conversation that we had with Chris. Uh, buckle up your seatbelts and uh, just get ready because it's a really fantastic conversation. Well, we are back. Uh, season two. This is, I guess, not our official first episode, but this is a first official episode when we have a guest. We are joined by, I'm going to call him a loyal member of the podcast now at this point. Absolutely. Um, and, and that would be none other than Chris Kilgore. Uh, if you know him, 
uh, great. If you don't try to get to know him, it's going to be kind of hard. He's a busy man. But uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself again, just for those who don't know you, and then we can hop into this discussion. Absolutely. Uh, I'm Chris Kilgore. I pastor um, in Greenwood, um, the Durst Avenue Church of God. I am, um, I've only been doing that about two years. So I was a minister part-time for a long time and I actually spoke at Hope um, for years and years, really, uh, from almost near the beginning. So I've been a part of, of what you guys have here for quite some time and watched it and loved it and it's all wonderful. Mark was actually my youth pastor, so uh, that dates back back into the early 90s and um, and uh, that's how old he is. Uh, I have a wife and two kids and um, we are working through life as normal, but um, I, I am. I'm a one-time guest, so this is my second visit. So I guess that that's second is like the official, like, You've been here that's how low the bar else. is for loyal players. <laughs> that's that's impressive. <laughs> But yeah, that I mean, other than I, I do love the Bible, um, um, not more than I love Jesus, but I, I do love the scriptures. So <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, I want to set that set that that boundary immediately. But um, but yeah, I'm excited about this. Yeah, um, yeah. So today, in this back to the basics, we're talking about understanding practices that believers should have to totally transform into who God has created them to be. Specifically, today we're going to be talking about scripture and the study of it and what that looks like in every facet of our lives, as well as. Uh, different components of it. So kind of to start off, though, we kind of want to just open up the conversation of just spiritual discipline in general. I feel like that word has gotten thrown a lot uh, around a lot in Christendom and, and the world that is Christianity. So what kind of, in your opinion, how would you define a, a spiritual discipline? Yeah, so I, I did actually try to prepare for this question. I, I, I geeked at this one up a little bit. I didn't want to just shoot from the hip on this because I think it was important, honestly. And um, But I, I do think that there's... Spiritual disciplines get talked about as categories um, or, or as a category more than as individual disciplines. And I think that's a problem because um, it, it's easy to brush away a, a broad thing and it's harder to brush away specific things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easier to not go work out at all than it is to go work out and only work out one muscle group. So I think when you actually engage in spiritual disciplines, you start to grow a, an appreciation for all the unique ones. But I think as a culture, as a Christian culture even, Spiritual disciplines have been just kind of set to the side. Okay, this is something that other people do. This is something that pastors or, 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 or ministers or evangelists right. or missionaries do. But, but really, we just come to church and we listen to the people who do the disciplines tell us what we need to know. When disciplines are really supposed to be this, um, it, it's, it's the part of us that, that is most closely connected to God. So like if you take the word spiritual or the expression spiritual discipline, you have two ideas. You have the idea of spirit and the idea of, of discipline. And, and that idea of, of, of spirit is that piece of us that God created to be most closely connected with who he is. Yeah. And also it's the deepest part of us. So like the soul of a person is the thing that, that persuades us to do the things that we do. Uh, our mind is a is is a servant to our soul, and our body is a servant to our mind. And so, when you look at the hierarchy of things, if you if you work into the spirit of someone, you start to see what their spirit is by what they're doing. And and I think it's in the Greek word actually is is pneumatikos, and and that means it is it is the part of us that is most closely related, aware, and connected to God. And and so, discipline is really just something that a person who is dedicated to something does. I mean, that does it. It's it's not. Right. It is something that a disciple does. It's the activity of a disciple. And so, in convert culture that we have here in Western Christianity, we don't we don't do discipleship as much as we do conversion. And so, we don't have as many disciples as we do people who have had one experience. And so, we don't really focus on disciplines because disciplines are for other people. That, that's a, just to rattle that all off at one time. But but I think so. To kind of combine those two ideas, what it, what it means to have a spiritual discipline 
it, it is some activity that is undertaken to increase the shape and influence of the deepest part of you. That, that's it. So it, it is this, and, and so I will say, like, there's the, um, in the New Testament, you, you read this, uh, I think it's Paul that, that speaks of, you know, the spirit of God connecting with our spirit. Deep calling unto deep. And what that is, what's happening then in spiritual, there's all of them. Prayer, scripture, uh, 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 silence of solitude, meditation, um, um, you know, sacred reading, praise, worship, singing, um, all, all of those things um, and, and more. All of those things are, are an attempt by us to let our spirit be shaped by a connection with God's spirit so that the innermost part of who we are is aligned with what we were created to be in the first place. Because sin bumps us out of line. And so spiritual disciplines bring us back into alignment with what we're supposed to be. And that is a discipline because it is hard to be brought back into alignment with what you're supposed to be. So um, that's kind of a long answer maybe, but I, I think it's important because this is for everyone. I mean, joy comes from spiritual discipline because it brings us back into line and we see God as the prototype and then we become like the prototype as we connect our spirit to his spirit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So in light of that, um, I love that that picture and kind of the simplicity and just laying it out as, you know, spiritual discipline doesn't have to be this like huge big thing that we make of it. It is at its core just connecting with who God has created us to be through dedicated practices. So in light of that kind of picture definition, how does scripture, um, our interaction with scripture become a spiritual practice? How is that um, something that connects with that deeper part that God has created us to be. So a lot of that, for me, works back to the idea that the Bible claims to be inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the idea of inspiration is not just, oh, is it true or not? Like, sure, I guess there, there is that side of the argument, but that's, that's where the argument has seems to, seems to have gone for the last 50, 60, 70 years, even beyond that to, to like Enlightenment culture and all that kind of stuff, where, where our, our only discussion of the Bible is, well, is it really true? Is it really what God said? How can we prove that it's true? And, and I think we've, we've jumped over what, what, it, what it means for something to be true and, by, and sent by God directly. Like, so if the Spirit of God actually breathed into people and said, okay, here's what I want you to say. And then they wrote it out with their personality, their pen, you know, that, that sort of thing. But if God truly inspired the scriptures and then preserved them for us, then I think what that means is, is that we understand... We understand what it means for the breath of God to breathe into our lives by engaging something. And I'm telling you, like, nothing else is that way. Like, prayer can be inspired. Prayer, when the Spirit of God you know, sort of descends and, and surrounds you and you connect with the Spirit of God. But there's a lot of people who are praying that have, it has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. Every person who's ever picked up a script, uh, you know, the Scriptures and read it is literally engaging with something that God said and God breathed. Like, even if you don't care what it is, even if you study it academically, you know, you don't, you, it doesn't bother you that, that, that God's making these true claims. If you're reading it, then you're literally engaging with something the Spirit of God has breathed. And, and so I, I think this idea of, of, of Scripture and spiritual discipline kind of being connected, there, there has to be a part of us that comes with sort of a sacred reverence to say, what if God was actually speaking to me across the, like we're, we're speaking at this table in this beautiful podcast room that you guys have created, this lovely <laughs> space. Um, but, but like... There's, there's a four-sided table in here, and three of those sides are taken up by humans, and one is sort of taken up by a computer. And, and we're, like, we're not doubting that the interaction we're having is, is, is legitimate interaction. We don't have any doubt about that. I think when, well, we, when we allow the scriptures to be what they're supposed to be, what they claim to be, then we are also allowing God a seat at the table of our lives to actually speak into our lives. Scripture is the one moment when we actually get that without 
any sort of, um, no footnotes. Like in prayer, I could think, I don't know if I connected or not. You know, if I meditate, I mean, maybe I was thinking about a song that I heard yesterday, but not really about God. But with the scriptures, it doesn't matter. Like you're actually engaging with what the spirit of God has for you. He has a seat at the table every time you open it up, whether you receive it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, that really doesn't, that, that's almost like a sidebar. The center of that piece as a spiritual discipline, scripture gives God a seat at the table with us so that we start to hear what he's actually saying. And, and again, that doesn't mean we understand what he's saying, but it means that we hear what he's saying. And there's so few things in life that are a guarantee. And, and that is one of those guarantees. And I think, so as a spiritual discipline, scripture creates sort of this bedrock anchor point that, that really, I believe, all the other spiritual disciplines flow from. I, I think it is the first. You know, it is, it is Captain America. It is the first Avenger. It is the first <laughs> discipline that, that allows us to understand where all the other ones are coming from, mm. in my opinion. Okay, two things. Yeah. One, quick. Wasn't Captain Marvel technically then? I mean, I know Stop in that. I know in Stop the canon, but Stop I'm just that. anyways. Stop beyond that. that, I think it's good that you said even way back at the beginning as a joke before I even think we jumped into this, which is you love the Bible but not more than Jesus. Because I think a lot of times, because this is, I've heard it said that this is the one absolute truth that we have when it comes to God's word. Like everything else that people say is inspired, or Martin Luther's documents, or John Calvin's, like those are beneficial for us, but those are not necessarily like what we call this. This is canon. The Bible is canon, right? And, and so I think that when they say it's the absolute truth, I think a lot of times we then look at this and we go, okay, this is my relationship with God. And I think it's important that you said that this is the start, but it's not the finish as well. Like th this is the start because this is how we kind of lay down that foundation and groundwork. Um, it's more of like the means to the end. It's not the end, right? right? And so I think that, that that was, I think, a really poignant thing to say right off the bat is just to say that, we love the Bible, but not more than Jesus. And we love it because this is the one thing that we know for sure that God is speaking to us. And I think just to to start off with that is something that's powerful for us. Um, just even, I, I think it's opening up my perspective right now to, to the just, just this in general. Like it kind of, even though I know it, it's a great refresher because yeah, it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I, I kind of did just forget that. This is the one, like I am praying and I, you know, I think everyone can empathize with the, was that really... Would I just talk to God, or was I just like talking? Like, was that my subconscious, or was that my spirit, like, or with the the Holy Spirit? Like, wh which one was that? And I think in all of that, we can then go back to Scripture and then see, oh, because of what this says about God's character and what I just feel like I heard in that prayer, maybe that there has more substance to that prayer because of what I'm reading right, here in this. Exactly. And so, uh, I think that's a great way to say is that this is the start of spiritual disciplines because this provides, sheds light and truth on each of those disciplines, and it gives us instruction for all of those spiritual disciplines as, as well. Well, I, I think, too, like in that same vein, and it is important, um, the Bible is almost like soil in that we love it because of what it can produce. Mm. So we love harvest, and we love fruit, and we love trees. And, and if you look, and I think some of it has to do with your opinion of creation and how creation worked, and, and that's not really the discussion for today, but the, the idea that God spoke and created when God spoke and created in Genesis 1, the picture of creation is a picture of potential because God created creation to reproduce itself. And so what he speaks, his word actually creates things that are supposed to create things. So if his word does that, and if we have been given the word of God in the scriptures, then that word of God is not supposed to be an end in and of itself. It's supposed to be soil that produces more and more and more. So it, it is the soil that we come back to. And without it, we can't plant. And without it, we can't, you know, we, we can't see those things come from the ground. But it is not supposed to be the end of the thing. It's 
supposed to be the beginning of the thing. It's a genesis point, not 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 a not a you know the, the, the ending of things. It's not it's not an apocalyptic thing, even though there's apocalyptic language. It, it is this, and it's important. I think so that you don't necessarily get everything you want to get when you read the scriptures, but you get everything that you have to get so that you can have what God has promised you in the end. I think yeah. if that makes sense, I kind of yeah. talked that in a circle, but. <laughs> If, if when you open the scriptures, even because I was looking at Nathan's Bible just open there, and um, and even just seeing that, like the, the picture that I see, the words on the page, I can't read them, but I can see them, like all of that, they're grains of soil. They're grains of soil that, that contain nutrients and they contain, contain potential, and when the sun shines and the rain falls, the seed that is inside of that can grow up. And, and I think when we start there and think, okay, this is not the end, because that's idolatry. To, to believe that soil is all we need is idolatry, right. because soil provides something for us uh, uniquely. God's Word provides something for us uniquely. And so, yeah, I, I think when, when you open it and start there and say, this is the beginning. Yeah. Now, my, my Bible reading is not this ending. Okay, finally, I checked that off. It, <laughs> it is the start of something that God is trying to grow in us. And I think that, that changes our perspective of what the Scripture is supposed to be. That means it doesn't have to have all the answers. Sometimes it has questions instead of answers, because questions lead us to grow. Right. So... Yeah, I think, so what I am open up to is ironic with that you're talking about soil, because what I wanted to read at some point, and I didn't know when, but this is a pretty good point, it was, uh, so great job, <laughs> um, is Psalms 1, and just the beginning parts, and I think that this is a perfect maybe then going into like maybe how we can interact with scripture, but uh, Psalms 1, 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons and its leaves does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I think that's the picture that we're talking about, right? It's, it's meditating on the scripture that, that like I'm getting chills because that's what this does, right? It, it's, it's, we're meditating on this scripture. We're, we're delighting in the words that he has spoken um, to certain people for us. And in that, it provides fruit for us, but it, that's not the fruit, right? Correct. And I, I think that's the beauty of what you, what you just, you know, and, and that's the beauty of then how you have interacted with Scripture in the past, and now you have your Bible open. We, we have seen these texts over and over again, and by meditating on them, we then draw from them and have conversations like these. We speak then truth to others, paraphrased truth, I guess, however you would want to call it, yeah, but yeah. it's still truth and it's still that God-inspired truth, but it's because it's stemming from this yeah, and the Bible. And so I think that that's the, that's the beautiful aspect of what just even just happened right there was you unknowingly just referenced <laughs> Psalm 1 and then I read Psalm 1 and it's just, oh. And there is, there's beauty because it connects a lot of things. I mean, it does. The scriptures, again, that's why I think it's an anchor point. It is the ground on which we all stand as we've entered into a relationship with Christ. And it becomes this thing, and Jesus did. Like Jesus used the scriptures, Jesus read the scriptures, Jesus loved the scriptures. And I think if, if there's any, and really if there's any apologetic or defense for wanting to know the scriptures, it's that Jesus wanted to know the scriptures. Right. And Jesus himself is really, that's our example. That's, that's, that's the prototype that we're supposed to become like. There's nothing else. Like I'm not supposed to be like Paul, and I'm not supposed to be like David, I'm supposed to be like Jesus. And so Jesus considered the Psalms and the prophets and the law, all that stuff super valuable. And, and I mean, and, and so it does, for, even for Jesus. Like, and I think it's, it's one of the most powerful things that I, I can think of the, the greatest defense for knowing, and you talk about, I know that there's a, um, a question later on about memorization, but um, when, when Satan himself comes in that picture in Matthew chapter 4 to tempt Jesus, like the thing that Jesus does is three times quotes Deuteronomy. Yeah. 
None of us are memorizing Deuteronomy. <laughs> Jesus says, "Well, not you." Well, yeah, I, I, take it back. I, I don't want to cast judgment. Yeah, I know that that's that's I'm the, not either. That's the whole fellowship way, and, and uh, get through Leviticus to Deuteronomy. Actually, to yeah. be on staff, you have to memorize the entire book of Deuteronomy. And I can understand why you would want to. Yeah. <laughs> but he looks. I mean, the, Satan himself, the great tempter, who who tripped up all of mankind. Jesus looks at him and says. I don't even have to go to the Psalms, and I don't have to talk about David. I can go to Deuteronomy, and I can quote three times, and you are put to flight. Like, there is this remarkable thing that happens when you realize, like, Jesus isn't creating new stuff. He's allowing the creativity of the Word of God that was already delivered to be the soil that grows the fruit of defense and, and beauty that runs off darkness. Like, there, there's something so powerful about that. And so, I mean, if if there's any reason at all that we should read and, and cherish Scripture, it is because Jesus did. And he seemed to have gotten it right a lot. <laughs> I know, we're looking at each other because I know exactly what it is, yeah. This, I mean, this is something that we've been, like, discussing a lot in this idea of spiritual disciplines. Uh, I think a definition that we've been gravitating towards is that these are the practices of Jesus. And it's um, all these steps we can take to look at the, the Gospels as a biography um, and as a model for how we should live and, and say... When Jesus faced this, when Jesus was in this situation, how did he react and respond? And what do I need to do in my life to have that same response, to be aligned with, with his heart and to model my life after his ways and practices? Yeah, I think it's, it's the statement of what would Jesus do? Why does that statement get so much hate? It gets so much, I, I get, I mean, I understand why it gets the hate, but at the same time, that has to be a really practical question that we ask ourselves, right? Like, yeah. why did, like, oh my gosh, well, we're not Jesus. Yeah, but that's who we're trying to become. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's exactly what we're, right. that is the, that's the standard that we're working to. And so I think that in that book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which if you haven't read it, it's a great book. Um, it, just talking about that, he kind of said spiritual disciplines and said that that word has gotten so much, it's been muddied so much I guess mm, sure. throughout the last maybe even last 50 years and it's become this rigid legalistic end rather than means to the end and so I think what he was trying to do is restructure it at least in the chapter that we were reading and I loved that that's what he said it was practices of Jesus um, habits of Jesus yeah, that, yeah. that we're supposed to be having I think that um, he frames it too of it's not what would Jesus do it's what would Jesus do if he were me mm -hmm. and I think it's essentially the same thing again but it, it's still I think just reorienting our hearts and minds around that idea that it's not a bad thing to think about what would Jesus do in this situation like yes he's not Nathan but still I need to think about how would Jesus be reacting to this person who just cut me off right. or how would Jesus be reacting if this homeless person knocks and he's definitely high on drugs and he's a schizophrenic what do I do and how do I react and I think in all those things it's it comes back to if we have been practicing these things that Jesus has been doing it, it culminates in those moments when we're not put to I mean I guess put to the test and and, and have those trials in our life um, I think that that's, yeah, the practices of Jesus. Well, I think re in reading the whole Bible, and this this was something that, I don't know, it's six, seven, eight years ago. I can't remember it. Some of the stuff just bleeds together over time. But um, one of the things that I, he I heard somebody say, and, and it revolutionized the way that I looked at the scriptures, and, and it ha really it, it flows in what you're talking about. Because they said that if, if you read, when you read the Bible, you start in the Gospels, and then you read backward and you read forward. So So if Jesus is everything, which he is, like, he is the fullness of everything. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the word made flesh. He is everything that we could ever hope to know about God on this side of things. We see in Jesus. 
The Old Testament is murky and muddy sometimes. You don't understand why God is reacting, why he's saying the things he's saying. Now, if you move past Jesus and you start with Paul, then you have no idea what's going on. I mean, Revelation is the same way. Like, all of this stuff is confusing and bizarre, and, and that's what creates people who focus on those two areas. That's what creates fringe. That's what creates the radicalized idea of things, not, not passion, but radicalization. But, but when you start in the Gospels, when you look and, and just, if, if it matters, if you're going to start in the Gospels, I would go Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, and, and, and read through it that way. But when you do that, you, then you see you have been given a filter and a lens through which to see the Old Testament and through which to see the epistles and the apocalyptic. And, and when you look through Jesus at everything else, it really is like looking through corrective lenses. Yeah. Like when you can't see and everything's blurry and you put the gospels on your face, you start you suddenly start to see things differently. And and instead of reading through the Old Testament up to the gospels and then reading after the gospels, if we start in the gospels and everything that we hold up to the light, we hold up to the light of the gospels up, up to Jesus' life. Suddenly I think we start to see everything just so much more clearly. Doesn't mean we know everything, but it does mean that we have some answers that I don't think we have before. And and so I know that like and I don't want to get deep into this because in fact I just want to create the question honestly because I, I like a little bit of that. But when we talk about the vengeance of God and what, what it looks like in the Old Testament for God to be so so harsh at times. You know, the, the that that is a difficult thing for some people to deal with. And so my I mean it might sound like a cop out, but honestly, don't start reading those texts. Read the Gospels and then read those texts and tell me what God you see. Like, I think there, there is a difference in the way that we read depending on the order in which we read. And, and so Jesus is absolutely the center of it. And, and the Bible, I think, intentionally draws us into that moment to say, okay, this makes sense of everything else. And, and, and so the discipline is a discipline. I mean, but, but the discipline itself is this discipline of reading through a lens, not just reading blank uh, or not just starting in, in, in kind of a... Um, it's not a zero-sum game. I don't start in the book of Judges and say, well, that's what I know of God. Right. I start in John, and then I go back to Judges. I say, well, why, was, why would God react like that? Why would Jesus react like that? I know everything that I know about Jesus. Why would he react like that? What, what sense does that make? Suddenly those questions become broader, and it opens us to some things that we didn't understand before. We're going to take a break here for today, but don't forget that you can join us in the following weeks for the rest of this conversation on scripture as a spiritual discipline. If you've enjoyed this conversation, we encourage you to share it with a friend and help us get the word out about uh, what we're doing here at Illuminate. Don't forget, you can reach out to us at Nathan at HopeAndAnderson.com and Hannah at HopeAndAnderson.com for any questions that you would maybe want to have us talk about on the podcast, as well as subject matters that goes to spiritual disciplines or practices or habits of Jesus that you maybe want us to expand on more with people. Also, if you have ideas for guests on the pod, you can absolutely reach out to us. Remember, we are saying that the first and second and third person to reach out and give us a topic that you'd want us to go through, we will be sending you a compilation of our favorite books. I believe we have first place already taken. So now second and third place, but you can still get a couple of solid books that you will add to your library. Don't forget as well, uh, we have almost finished our podcast slash production room. And if you're wanting a piece of your junk to be in it, that would be wonderful as we have some empty shelves that we need to fill. Or if you have books that you're wanting to get rid of that are not heretical nor weird goodwill fiction <laughs> romances <laughs> anything with a half naked man on the cover we will not be accepting anyways 
We are so thankful for you all listening and we cannot wait for you guys to join us next week.